This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Welcome to Shabbos Kerbetoni, everybody. This is a very exciting event. It's, it is the most exciting Shabbaton in, in the world. And uh, there's really nothing like it. And while other Shabbatons have, uh, have uh, various agendas for Klal Yisrael, the beauty of Shabbos Kerbetoni is the agenda is actually our families and our homes. And it's so applicable, meaning you can apply what you're going to learn here immediately in every single shear. Now, of course, when you're going shear to shear, it's all going to wash. You're not going to remember anything from any of the shearing. And so I'll just give you a piece of advice going into such a Shabbos where there's going to be, we're going to be together like maybe 50 hours. We're going to have, uh, of those 50 hours, there's probably about 300 hours of learning, meaning if you add it all up, uh, obviously you can't go to all 300 hours because sometimes there's six choices per hour. But let me just give you a little piece of advice how to go into it, because you can't take notes also. Most of the shirm will be on Shabbos. The piece of advice is you're going for one takeaway at every shir you go to. You're going to go to all the shirm. You want just come away with one thing from each shir, and then keep it in mind, like keep the schedule and say, that was the shir, the takeaway was this. So listen to the shirm for the takeaway. That'll help you through, through, the, uh, through the Shabbos. And uh, also... Um, no, you don't have to worry about that here too much. Is there, is, no, it's not, not important. Okay. Um, I just, can I, if I can get someone in the back, just not, wouldn't mind bringing me a bottle of water. I, usually they have water in, in the, up here, so I didn't, I didn't grab it. It's just right outside the door. Yeah. Thank you. The 10 Steps to Parenting, it's a funny title for me because I never gave this title. And every single time the, the, every time the Shabbos ends, I forget to tell them that this isn't my title. And, and they just like, and where they, thank you so much, and where they get the number 10 steps, like I never gave the title and they somehow came up with the number 10. I think what happened was years ago I gave the shear on parenting and it came out to 10 Steps. And I guess one of the organizers was in the room for the share, and he, so he thought that was the title of the class. So what happened, I came back six months later and saw this 10 steps, and I'm like, how am I going to create, i got to like create 10 steps? There's a lot of shitas in, uh, in parenting and a lot of, um, a lot of conflicting shitas in parenting. What we'll try to do this hour is, uh, or however much time's allotted, how much time they gave this year? To what? 245. So the, what we'll do with this, with this year is, is make an effort to, to, to give universals that have no real, there's no real argument. Now, the most important principle you have to know in parenting, the number one, is that your child is number one. Now, you're all looking at me like, we know our child's number one. Of course, our children are number one. Our children aren't number one. Our children are not number one. What's number one is that our children should make us look good. What's number one is that our children should give us nachas, What's number one is that our, our children should be good from kids. 
That's number one. But that means your kids aren't number one. The number one thing is that our kids are well. That's number one. And we're in a situation right now where kids from beautiful Hamisha homes, we're losing, uh, we've lost hundreds of kids due to uh, early deaths. That were, the f- they like to say in the news that the source was drug overdose, suicide, whatever they want to say. But it's not why they died. That's not how they died. They died from brokenheartedness. They died with a broken heart. When parents are pregnant with child, when they're going to have a baby, so what happens, I'm going to make this up now. This is like uh, what I call for my seminars, it's a possible you seminar medrash. What happens is the parents go up to Shemayim in their sleep, while they're sleeping, and, they, and the angels say, we see you're going to have a child, and the parents are like, yes. And the, and the angels say, you know, it's been determined in heaven that in order for your child to be healthy, he has to have, or she has to have one address where they are loved no matter what, unconditionally loved no matter what. And the parents are like, yeah, unconditional love is a very good thing. I have a sheno tului bedover. I have a sheno tului Beautiful thing. Yeah, great. And then the angel puts out a piece of paper and the angel says, sign. And the parents sign. What are you going to do? Got to sign. You want your kid to be well, right? Of course you're going to sign. So the parents sign. And then just about when the child is born, I think the the angel that touches the child right there, I think he touches the parents too. I met one of the saddest Jews. One of the saddest Jews I ever met this year. I met him in... um, um, I met him in Canada running a seminar... He's sad, sad guy. And it was an interesting guy because he was a successful businessman and he was a big Tamil Chacham. A big, like a Mitsuyan. But like the top Mitsuyan of his Hasidus, top Mitsuyan of every yeshiva he was in, married the top girl. He was such a sad person. I couldn't figure out why he was so sad. Everything was going well. In the world of doing, his world was perfect. But in the world of being, like the inner being of us. Because you have doing and you have being, and they're two separate universes. Like what you're doing right now is sitting and listening. What I'm doing is standing and talking. But there's a being that's inside of you. You're called a human being. Now, the human part I see. Okay, there's definitely humans. If I took a snapshot, we got lots of human being, humans in here. But what's the being? Have you ever thought about that, what the being is? What is your being? Because you're being here right now. But what is that being? The answer is, it's your inner essence. It's your neshuma. It's your mahus. Now, you have things you do, and you have then the being. And this, this Avrech, in his 40s, said to me, he said as follows, he said that when he was a kid, his older brother fried out. His older brother went off the derch. 
And his father, who was so crushed, looked at the younger brother, who was several years younger, and he said to him, you're going to bring me my nachas. Now, does that sound like a big deal? It makes sense. It makes sense. The father's hurting. His older son has, uh, you know, destroyed any potential nachas. And the father's in pain. And he says to the next son, who happened to be a smart kid, he said, you're going to bring me my nachas. With those words, which is wild, doesn't make a lot of sense, but with those words, he basically ruined the next 30 years of that boy's life. Doesn't make a lot of sense. But what it was, was Ahava Shetului Bedover. It was an Ahava Shetului Bedover. That if you're a Masmid, and you're a Mitzrayan, and you become a Talmud Chacham, you gave me the Nachas, and if you didn't, you didn't. And your worth, your self-worth, is going to be based solely on your success in learning. That's your worth. Now, you want to hear something very interesting? When you're worth, what's worth? Doing or being? Self-worth. What is it? Doing or being? Being. <laughs> Ladies were quicker in answering, gentlemen. Okay? Because <laughs> men are always, you know, out there and like, you know, we're doing, 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 doing. Because we were, we were fooled into thinking that doing brings being. When self-worth is dependent on doing, guess what? You'll never get it. Your kids will never have it. If self-worth is to Louis, on doing, you'll never get it. Why? See, some of you are looking at me like, what do you mean? If you do it, you, you have the self-worth. No, listen. If you don't succeed in what you're doing, you, you don't have the self-worth because you made the self-worth depending on the doing. Are you ready for this? Here's what happened with this boy. Is that even if you do succeed, there's still no self-worth. You know why? Because what succeeded was not you. What succeeded was what you did. Because what you do is not who you are. And the biggest proof is, is that you can succeed in doing and still feel like a piece of garbage inside. The lesson I'm teaching right now about doing and being, about Ahava Sheno Tului Bedover, is the most important lesson that you need to know in raising your children and in raising a generation of kids. It is the most important thing. That is the cloud. That the that the mahus of the kid, the mahus of the kid is the nachas. I love you because you are my kid. I love you because, no because, but because you are. Just for who you are. And when you love a kid for who that kid is, you know what happens? Well, the kid doesn't know who he is. He doesn't know where he's going. What do kids know? So all they got for reference is you. So if you're a good dogma, you, you finish the job. You're going to have an amazing kid. 
if you're a good example, you're done. Because the number two thing in parenting is example. Being an amazing example for your children. So if you take Klaal 1, and that is that your focus is on the being, and that your kid is loved in his very essence for who he is without any doing whatsoever. If you have that down, now the second is the example. But how many of us have already heard that being a good parent by example is the number one thing? The number one thing is the ahava. See, if you give the kids the ahava and you focus that the being is where it's at, guess what? Your kid will always feel safe. You've given a safe home for your child. I'm staying in Aramont next week for the Possibly Muncie, which we still have some spots, I think, if you'd like to join, but it's, it's wild. Like Everywhere I'm going is... Even the guy next to me in some market next to, I, I took my wife to something called Stocking Exchange. I don't know what it, There was a market there. I went in the market. The guy next to me in the market, he's like, I'll see you Sunday. And I looked at him and I said, what about your wife? He said, she'll be there too. Yeah, which is Monday. Women's is Monday. I forget why I'm talking about that. How did I get on that? What? Doing and being. What? Oh. <laughs> it's because the place I was at is right down the street from 7-Eleven Muncie. 7-Eleven Muncie late at night is the safe house for all the kids whose homes aren't safe. And I want to tell you something. No offense to everyone in this room, but I'm more comfortable at 7-Eleven Muncie at 2 in the morning than I am right in this room. Because I know in 7-Eleven Muncie, I'm accepted no matter who I am. They don't care what I just ate. And by the way, that, I think it's only 7-Eleven that's kosher. But they don't care which 7-Eleven I was at. They don't care where I was last Shabbos. It's a society in that parking lot where you're accepted no matter what. Because they all come back wounded. And I have a question for you. Of all the kids who grew up in homes where love was dependent on doing, I want to ask you a question. Who do you think's cried more tears through my sleeve, through my tzitzis, through my undershirt? Who do you think's cried more tears through there? The kid who went off or the, the good kid who stayed in? Who cried more tears? The kid who went off, the bad kid, or the good kid who stayed in? Who's cried more tears? The good kid. The good kid because he never got help. At least the kids who went out found out that they're acceptable. They discovered that. Unfortunately, they had to find out they were acceptable where people are hooked on alcohol and drugs and grass and, and, and it's a whole world. Think what country you're in. The only reason America exists as an experiment. It's basically an experiment. Because if you, think of, if you know any history... <laughs> All the people who live in America used to kill each other for thousands of years. And someone made this experiment where they were going to like, let's bring them all together and put them all in Brooklyn. I mean, think how many nationalities you drive through, just driving through Brooklyn. But the whole country is like that. 
And they came up with a great clow. And the clow is that the only way that people are going to get along in this place, because they've been warring for thousands of years, the only way they're going to get along in this place is if we accept everybody for who they are, period. You are acceptable. Everyone has to be accepting. And you want to know something? That's a very beautiful thing. It's very beautiful to be very accepting. But what's the problem in America? Ladies, there's only room in the front. You can come right up to the front. It's fine. But it's a beautiful thing to be accepting. But I'm going to share with you something very, very important. And once you get this, you will have everything you need to go back to your children and save their lives. I'm talking about the good ones. You should, uh, just as a side note before I tell you this, you should know the bad kids, you know what those kids are? I mean, some of them just have learning disabilities and, you know, you know they're ADD or something. By the way, who created ADD? Who created ADD? The school system. Think about it. 200 years ago, there were no yeshivas. When you were 12 years old, you were going to become a cobbler. You're going to be making shoes. Let me sit and staring at a Gomorrah for 12 hours a day. And if you were a girl, up until Shara Schneer, you were done with schooling when you were five. We created ADD. We, we disenfranchised probably 30% of our people and made them feel like dunces. And we made such a giant of Odazara out of the yeshiva system that they have blurred... The 612 mitzvahs. You're like, Rabbi, there's 613. Yes. There's one mitzvah called Talmud Torah. It's one of the 613. And then there's another 612 over here. And what happened was they blurred it because we've made yeshiva into such a... Sorry to use the word avodasar, but I did. I'm, a lo- I'm kind of a loose cannon when I get up, up on the stage. I'm much more mellow in person. We made such an avodasar... That when the kid didn't make it in learning because he's a kid who was probably supposed to build buildings. He's supposed to build the yeshiva, not learning it. That when they didn't make it in learning, that meant all of Yiddishkeit is gone. And a week later, after he's whatever went wrong, the kid's already smoking cigarettes on Shabbos. Talmud Torah is connected Kulam, but it still is only one of 612 mitzvahs that are waiting for that kid. And most likely, it's the kid who doesn't make it in learning who's going to most hook up with mitzvahs Mysias, with shaking a lulav. Okay, he might poke people here and there when he gets restless. He's the one who's going to build the sukkah. No one's going to throw a sukkah's party like him. But instead, they build no sukkah. And if we're lucky, they buy Arbaminim. That's 30%. You know who the other percentages are of the kids who leave the path, who go off the derch? You know who those people are? They're the Avram Avinus. They're the Avram Avinus. What is Avram Avinu? Avram Avinu is the one who tests the system. 
He looks around at society. He looks around at the institutions. He looks at the systemization, which is Gevura. But he's chesed, and he blows it to smithereens. He sees all the faults. He sees what's wrong. That's the Avram Avinus. You know, when you go, when you guys, go, when uh, you gentlemen, ladies, when you're going to have a baby and you're like, by, I don't know, you're by, you're by, you know, you're by, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, you're by the Rashbi and you're Davni, or you're by the Kaisal and you're Davni. He should be at Sadiq, Hashem, he should be at Sadiq, he should be at Sadiq. You know what you're really saying? You're not saying he should be at Sadiq. You're saying he should be a Yitzchak. He should be a Yitzchak. She should be a good Tamayl. He should be a good Engele. He shouldn't make me too many problems. He should be my Nachas. He should give me Nachas. That's what he should be. Which means it's all about who? It's all about you. This is all a scared little kid diving at the Koisel, called a father or mother. Scared little kid trying to feel okay. And somehow my kid's going to make me feel okay. And that's why I started my seminar, The Possible You, because it's enough already. It's enough already. We've got to see our kids and see that only. It's a hint to all of us. What do we think? Just because our kid isn't the one ODing or jumping off a bridge that... That, that we're fine? No, th- those are symptoms to wake us up. That we have to be working on ourselves till we're okay so we can leave our poor kids alone and stop making them have to be something for us. And something for our shver and our shvigar and something for our mom and our tate. We have to stop working, worrying about what they make us look like and start worrying about how they're doing. Ahava. Focusing only on the being. So when we dive in that they should be tzaddikim, we're really diving in, we should have a Yitzchak. He should fit in. She should fit in. And you want to know what happens is if we keep throwing out, because we're doing it, we've got to stop thinking the kids are doing it, we're throwing them out. When we throw out the Avram Avini kid, our people wind up with no leadership. We have no more leadership. We are so overly Gavura right now. We have such an intense structure that if a kid doesn't fit in it, he might as well take off his kappa. And those are the Abramavinis. Those are the leaders. Those are the ones that in the world of business, for example, in high tech and all the major companies, that people like that trickle up to the top and keep things like Google and Apple and Microsoft on the top. Because the very organization of business today allows for Avram Avinu's. We're the ones who don't. We're too scared of Avram Avinu kids. We don't know how to deal with them. And so we dive and we should have a Yitzchak. We dive and we should have a Yaakov and avoid the Esavs. You think Yitzchak Avinu was drunk? You think Yitzchak Avinu didn't know what he was doing when he liked Esav? Now, of course, Rivka Emeni, she has Bini Yaseira. She saw that Yitzchak Avinu was like wishful thinking here, but Esau's, he's not coming back. He's not coming back, so we have to trust Rivka. Now, the distinction I want to teach you now, the next level distinction, is the distinction between acceptance and approval. Acceptance and approval. What is America very good at? What's America got down? Acceptance. 
Now, what is approval? Let's go into the word approval because we blur them. Because who do you accept? Think about it, ladies, gentlemen. Who do you really accept? I'll tell you who you accept. You accept whoever you approve of. But tell me, are those the same words, acceptance and approval? They have two very different definitions. And let me give you the definition. We already did acceptance. Acceptance is, I have a shame of Tulu Bedover. Acceptance is that if I live that person's life, that would be me. That's acceptance. Acceptance means that no matter what he's up to, no matter what he did, no matter what he just ate, no matter where he was last Shabbos, no matter where he is this Shabbos, I accept him because I'm accepting not the doing, but I'm accepting the, everyone say being, please, just to make sure, I want you to get the takeaway. I'm accepting the, together, one, two, three, the being. Now, what's approval? Approval has to do with what? The doing. You don't have to approve of doing. If your kid's not doing the right things, there's nothing wrong with letting them know as long as you've created an environment in your home of acceptance. Now you can open your mouth. Now you can say something. But until you have created the the ground table water of acceptance, you cannot dig the well of approval or disapproval. Because the second you disapprove what they do, they weren't at Shabbos Karavtani. They didn't hear this schmooze. So when you disapprove, they automatically think the disapproval means I'm no longer what? Accepted. And if they're no longer accepted, where are they going to be buying their Slurpees? They're going to be at 7-Eleven. And whether they're in 7-Eleven healing or they're the good tomato or the good angle suffering... I forgot the beginning of the sentence. <laughs> I can't finish such a great pregnant pause. And I don't remember the beginning of the sentence, but you got the picture, right? You get it? So since I'm in this little moment, just shout out to Torrini Time. Uh, can we just clap our hands for Torrini Time, please? I want to say that, uh, you know, when someone's not doing such a kosher phone usage and they've been watching all my shirim on YouTube... I have to say there's a twinkle in my eye, and I hope God protects them, and they should protect themselves from any other Internet access. But Torani Time has allowed people all over the world to connect to Tara. I, I, I meet so many people over and over and over and over and over and over again watching Shirem on Torani Time who have very kosher devices for going online. So I just had to give a shout-out to Torani Time because Torani Time is... Is, uh, is making a huge difference. And the funny thing is, 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 you know, I myself am a bit of a Compson. When I watch Torn Time and it says donate, you know, I'm always like, let's just go to the share I want to watch. <laughs> you, know, you all know what I'm talking about. I'm, I've never given anything. I've given a ton of Shearim, but I haven't given any money. But, but really, if we think about it, like, the, it's the biggest, we'll give to a yeshiva, but I think Torn Time might be the biggest yeshiva in the world right now. It might be the biggest yeshiva in the world. It's just, <laughs> it's just that we don't give it any cover. <laughs> meaning, meaning, when you give to a yeshiva, you get covered, you know. So, sorry, we don't get any covered for donating to Tony Tim. Okay, listen up. There's acceptance and there's approval. Tell me, of the 7 billion people on earth, who has the highest standards of approval? Approval. Who has the highest standards of the 7 billion people? 
Yidden, Jews. And of the Jews who make up 0.01% of the world population. Yeah, what does that mean? That means the rest of the world is 99.9% of the world. Of this world, we make up 0.01% of the world population. And we have the highest standards. Now, of the Jews, who has the highest standard? Frumian. And of the Frumian, who has the highest standards? Hasidim. And amongst the Hasidim, who has the highest standard? Don't go there. <laughs> Don't go there. I mean, we could later, maybe tonight for Onik Shabbos, we'll do a Humra contest. We'll see who's, who's, who's blurred what is actual Judaism the most. Okay? Now, here we go. By the way, I have a call regarding Humras. You might want to try it. Um, the reason we have Humras is to get uh, more close to God. So if a Humras bring you closer to God, it may be you're even chayev to do it, meaning you might answer upstairs, because you could have gotten closer, and you might answer for that. But how many Humras have taken people away? How many Humras have taken kids away? You know, and, and it's amazing that we apply the Humras to the next generation. We're like, they're like, who's God? You know, like, first let me see if I have a God. Then we'll talk about the Targic Mitzvahs. Then we'll talk about Halacha. And then when we talk about Halacha, maybe we'll talk about Humras. Which Humras? The ones that would bring a 16-year-old closer to God. Tell me, which Humras bringing a 16-year-old closer to God? You've got to be a big balavoyde. Just be under the category of Humras getting you closer to God. That's a balavoyde. Balavoyde is taking out Humras, and they have to. You don't have a choice. Once a Humras is bringing you closer, that's yours. That's your thing. I'm machmir about really weird stuff, but, but that's where I'm machmir, because it gets me closer. That's it. And the second I'm not, if it ain't working for me, I go right to Shailas Chochem. I go right to Chochem and say, like, I took this on. It was amazing for about five years, but at this point, it's, it's pushing me away. It's not bringing me close. And he's like, that's not your chumrah. Just go back to keeping the regular halacha. And it's really important for our children that we distinguish to them what's Torah and mitzvahs and halacha and what's a chumrah. They have to know that. Very important. We learn from Adam and Chava. He made a chumrah not to, not to touch the fruit. She wound up eating it when she saw nothing happen when she touched it. He didn't describe it properly. How many kids did I meet got teased and embarrassed by a Rebbe for not doing some kind of chumrah right? Because he, his parents never distinguished what was what. It's just one thing called Yiddishkeit. So once he was, he was like the next Shabbos, he was already gone. And the, it turned out that particular chumrah really was a chumrah ba'alma. It wasn't even shaya. had to do with something to do with uh, a double covering of his kapal or something. I don't know what it was. The tiniest percentage of the world population has the highest standards. And if you blur acceptance with approval, so that means if you have the highest standards of approval, tell me, who do you accept? If you blur them, who do you accept? Nobody. You accept nobody. 
Kids catch on to parents who accept nobody. They start getting suspicion, maybe I'm one of them. (laughs) We wind up accepting nobody. That makes your kids really nervous. You know, when they're, they're in the back seat and they're like, yes, we're on, this, we're on this team. We're definitely on this team. I'm only six years old. But boy, does my tati or my mommy accept nobody. And what would it be like? What would, it, what would happen to me if I wasn't so on the path of whatever those standards are? Well, as far as I can tell, I would be out. I'd be out. I'm not in, I'm out. And meanwhile, there's just a little kid thinking to himself in the backseat of a big minivan. Just kind of wondering, like, where would I be? Listen up. You wind up accepting only a tiny amount of people, and therefore our kids are like, I'm out. I'm out. And that's even if they're good. I remember this happened to me. I remember I had, a, I had a very machmer roommate in yeshiva. When I was in yeshiva, we were best friends. The three of us lived together for three years. Until we all got married, we stayed together. And we all got engaged and married the same month. And during those three years, one of the boys was a pretty machmer kid. He used to quote us halacha in our dorm room, you know, in the bedroom. <laughs> Me and the other guy, we had like our pillows over our heads. We were just, shut up! You know, and he would be sitting on the edge of his bed teaching us halacha until we would fall asleep. But not just stam halacha, like, like the most intense possibility of every halacha. And uh, it's very funny that we're all best friends. He became this like superstar litvak, and I became a chassid in, in rebellion from these, these late nights. Anyway, we finally made a rule in our dorm room, no more quoting halacha while going to sleep. This guy actually, would, he would get dressed under his sheets of his bed. You know that getting dressed under the sheets is people used to only have like one bag in, so you don't sleep in it. And so you had to, you put it on under your sheets. <laughs> what did he know? He's new ball chewy. He, uh, he was getting dressed under his, <laughs> his sheets. It was crazy. I remember one, one day he came into Yeshiva, he had, he, I, I guess he had a pillowcase under there. It wound up like coming out the back of his pants. He had a tail. But I remember having this feeling and wondering, what if, what if I was not keeping Yiddishkeit? Would he still be friends with me? Would he still talk to me? Probably not. Probably not. I'd probably be out. And you want to hear something crazy? And I hope you've never watched this, especially after the pillowcase story. I'm good, but I'm going to say this. And you know what? Even if you're watching Reb Yitzchak, My heart shut off to the relationship when I had that thought. I'll never forget having that thought. I was walking across the Jewish Quarter Square. I was on my way back to the dorms. And I had that thought, would he still be my friend? Would, we still, would he still love me? We were like brothers in there. Would he still love me? Would he still be my brother? And the question alone, the question alone shut my heart off. I didn't stop being friends with him, but that's as close as I ever got. That was the end of it. We have to make sure that does not happen with our children. We've got to make sure our kids are never asking that question. Oh, for sure not. 
we're three minutes over time. I'd like to just mention um, just any other little things that come to mind about, because remember it was 10, I probably said about six, seven maybe at this point, and it said 10. It only says 10, as I told you earlier. I, I don't know where they got the number 10 from. They made that part up. Um, but just other tricks that you may be missing about raising kids that are amazing kids. I told you the most important things, but dance. Make sure you dance. Your home should be dancing all the time. If you don't have a good stereo, get one. And there should be music playing daily in the house, as long as it's not Sphere Zoyma or something. Have music playing and get up and dance. Shabbos tables when there's no guests and it's just the kids. Dance in time. Middle of the meal, start dan- grab some of the kids, just start dancing. You will see the older kids will join in. After a while, your wife comes running out of the kitchen. Everybody's dancing. Happy home. The beauty of a happy home is it doesn't matter how. You could be the most modern Orthodox all the way to the most chumridic chassidish. If your home was happy, the kids are going to be around later. They're going to stick around. Your home's happier. You know, when someone goes out of town in Yerushalayim, the, uh, the, all the girls, you know, the teenage girls, the 17-year-old Sem girls, they all go stay at that house, you know, to stay up all night and giggle. So my wife went out of town, and guess what? My, my daughter had a slumber party. And it was, it, it was Thursday night. I learned all night anyway on Thursdays. And so she's like, it's like they're out of town. My, my tati doesn't come back. And my mommy's in the starts. And so... Around 2 in the morning, my daughter calls me. She says, can you come give a shear? Can you come give a shear? This is my, my 17-year-old daughter. Can you give a shear to my friends? Whoever heard of such a thing? Whoever heard of such a thing? It's unheard of. Not in the firm world, not in the secular world. It's a happy home. I've had kids who went out. For, they were supposed to be gone for, you know, eight hours, wherever they were going with their friends. They came back four hours later. So what are you doing back already? They said, I was just kind of wondering what's happening in the house. Can you imagine that? Man, your kids come wondering what's going on over there. It's called FOMO. You know what FOMO means? FOMO means fear of missing out. My house is so fun that my kids are afraid they might miss out on the fun. So whatever they're doing with their friends was cute and sweet, but I'm going home. See what's going on over there. I just want to mention one more thing that I forgot to draw home for you. Is remember I said, how do we keep Americans from killing each other? Acts. Say it together. Acceptance. And, and of course, they blurred approval with acceptance. So they don't, not only do they accept everybody, they also approve. To the point where America, they don't know the difference between right and wrong anymore. Boys and girls don't even know if they're supposed to be boys or girls anymore. They've lost everything. Because acceptance is so big. They blurred it with approval. There's no more standards. They've lost all standards. And that should scare you, by the way, because if you look at history, any society, any civilization that lost its moral compass, God pulled the plug on that society. And I'm telling you, this is, this, you're living in that society. You're living there. That's where you're investing right now. You've got to be careful. I'm very happy to be in Eretz Yisrael, I'll tell you that. In Eretz Yisrael, it's going the other way. What is the majority of children will be born this hour in Eretz Yisrael? They're going to look like me. They're not going to look like you know, Steve Jackson of Stanford, Connecticut. 
But that world of acceptance is waiting for your children. That's what I'm saying is the lion's got his mouth wide open. The lion of America has got his mouth wide open for your children. You're living in the most accepting society that's ever been in the history of the world. You have to take my words very seriously because your kids are dangling over a lion with its mouth wide open. Called America, it swallows people up. They call it the American dream. We call it the American nightmare. But if you're going to raise kids here, you need an insurance policy for their neshama. And the best insurance policy for their neshama is that you're, all, you're a being-focused home that always, always impresses upon the children that they're accepted no matter what for who they are. Thank you very much. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.